Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to Filling the Pulse with VB Rescue. We are several episodes into this project now, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening and sharing our podcast so far. I'm your host, Ricky the Blue, and I'm the Public Affairs Officer for Virginia Beach EMS. My co-host, as always, is Deputy Chief Joey Hunley. Chief, how's it going today, buddy? Man, it's good. I'm excited. Uh, I'm looking forward to today's podcast. Um, and we're recording on a Friday. It's the end of the workday. So uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend as well. Absolutely. I'm really excited about today's podcast as well. It features one of my favorite people within VB Rescue, paramedic Jonathan Jarbo. Yeah, I guess we should establish for the record that everybody that we bring onto the podcast is one of your favorite people uh, <laughs> in VBGMS. And so that's okay. But I can tell you, um, um, I was... Uh, Almost as excited to talk to Jarbo on the podcast as I was to talk uh, to when we brought Ellen McBride on. Um, and, uh, you know, every time I see John Jarbo, he's got a smile on his face. Um, he's upbeat. He's, he's got a, just a great, a great personality, a good people person. And so um, I genuinely look forward to talking to him today. Absolutely. There are some people in every organization that shine the brightest, and Jarbo's one of those people. He's a former volunteer with Plaza and Princess Anne Courthouse, and currently, as I mentioned, he is a full-time paramedic with VB Rescue. Jarbo has an outstanding outlook at things, and there are a few people, at least in my opinion, who represent the system as well as he does. If you're a member of VB Rescue, while you're listening to this episode, you need to go to vbems.com slash join, copy the link, and send it to five or six of your closest buddies. Share it on social media. Spread the message. Uh, VB Rescue is always looking to add members to the system, and our current members are always our best recruiters. If you're not a VB Rescue member already, head on over to the same address, vbems.com slash join, to learn more about joining and receiving free training to become an EMT. When you're done with this episode of Feeling the Pulse, make sure you follow or subscribe to the podcast. Get your friends and family to listen as well. Feeling the Pulse can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Without further delay, let's get it started with Mr. Jonathan Jarbo. Chief, we mentioned in the intro how we're going to be in a really, really good mood today because it's Friday uh, and it's the end of the work week for you and I, but how could you be in a better mood when you get to talk to John Jarbo on the podcast, right? Well, what makes me in an even better mood is that we're still doing this virtually. And, um, and since we're doing it virtually, we've got Jarbo up here in the screen with his, um, uh, you know, with this just ridiculous grin on his face. I don't know if you've ever podcasted or not before Jarbo, but, uh, but just a ridiculous grin on his face with this patch that he designed in the background, um, uh, well, that he, this patch that he designed for his shift that is his background. And when it, when it takes up my whole screen and I just see Jarbo's, um, you know, I don't know what do you, the cheeks, this is like chipmunk cheeks. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and it's just the, the sweet cheekbones, the sweet cheekbones. There you go, man. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. So tell me about the history of this patch Jarbo, because th this was one of the first things I saw when I went out in the field and it's a really, really cool looking patch. So, I mean, the history of this is, uh, you ever try hurting a, a, a group of cats? <laughs> no, no, I have not. I didn't want to try, you know, I didn't want to design something that everybody would not want to 
how do I say, rock or wear. So trying to get 14 different people's opinions and inputs on a patch design is like, it, it was definitely challenging. But um, we came through, uh, as you can see, like the design is a C that's uh, got the American flag in it. You know, we have a few vets and stuff like that on our ship. So I think that's a good, you know, solid representation for them. And then, of course, everyone loves themselves some Starbucks on our shift. So, uh, you know, we had to do the throw the old Starbucks girl in there. And then, of course, the Trident for Virginia Beach. And then there's a, a little laryngoscope in her hand. And then, obviously, the logo on the side. Did you design that yourself, Jarbo? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like I said, I had input from the shift. But, but yeah, I did, ended up designing it and getting it printed and patched and everything like that for everyone. And. Yeah, everyone just got uh, I guess four inch ver the four inch version of it this year. Last year we were all rocking the three inch version, so that's where we're at. I, at. I love how you incorporated the Starbucks into that because every ride along uh, that I do, and every time I'm out in the field, it's all about caffeine, caffeine, and caffeine. Especially for someone like me, Chief, who's uh, not not ingrained in the lifestyle of running the twelve hour shifts. Yeah, I'm actually, as I sit here listening to that, I'm going through my mind of any potential copyright infringement things that might have occurred as a result of the Starbucks girl being in the patch. But, um, I mean, we can take that part out of the podcast. It's all good. Nobody has to know that it's really the Starbucks girl. Um, and the other thing that makes me laugh a little bit is, is listening to him talk about trying to get 14 people on the same page for a patch. Imagine how challenging it is to try to get 52 people or 60 people on the same page for a simple uniform change. Uh, you know, I imagine that it's probably just as difficult, if not a little, slightly a little, uh, you know, harder than it was for this. Yeah. Well, welcome just, to just my world, slightly. man. Just, just, just a little bit. So, Jarba, really quick, I, I, there's a lot that I want to talk about today, but one of the interesting things that um, I thought that when you filled out the questionnaire, you were telling me how it was kind of an accident that you got started in emergency medicine. Can you kind of walk us through that story and how it just kind of happened? Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely an accident. I didn't really have any like, you know, going through college, you know, everyone goes there to, to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. Um, had a few friends who were like, yo, let's get our EMT. Uh, let's possibly branch off and do this cool, like, you know, tactical job that, that requires EMS. And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess I'll go along with that. Then they were like, ah, you know, I, I'm actually putting my cert to use here in this this cool system out here at this station called Plaza. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll come out there and join you. So uh, ended up doing that, got hooked, you know, got into the, uh, the old squad team, and then the rest is history. So what what about running got you hooked? Oh, man, like... I guess it's just, you know, the, the, you know, the lights and sirens for the first time when you, when you hear them like go in and, and you see the flashing people are actually moving out of your way. It's like, <laughs> Oh man, like this is, this is an awesome power to have here. Um, but ultimately, I mean, just to share, you know, the joy of like helping people and seeing like that first person that you like, uh, uh, help truly, 
like their reaction and their thankfulness and everything like that, that was enough of a, you know, a hook to just keep me going. Keith, how much of the, the lights and sirens was a hook for you when you first started? Um, I don't know. It was in the 1900s, man. Um, <laughs> Did you guys even have lights and sirens? I'm trying to remember if we had lights and sirens in the 1900s. Were you guys holding like signs out the window saying, please move? Please move, right, blowing our horn. Um, I mean, it was all the air horns on vehicles at that point, right? Um, I mean, there's always something to be, you know, people are drawn to being able to do stuff like that. And, and, uh, uh, and certainly uh, driving lights and sirens down the road and, and, uh, and, and uh, having that, you know, that, that um, adrenaline rush or the dopamine satisfaction of, of what's going on and uh, the, the uh, you know, with all of that, it, it's cool. I mean, we're, you know, really whatever it takes to get somebody in the door, whatever their excitement is that, that gets them to, uh, you know, in Jarbo's case, accidentally join up. Um, um, we're, we're going to take, and we're going to try to run with it and help folks out as much as we can. So, um, I, I can't believe though, that you went from, I mean, I, you, you guys know I'm a Plaza life member and, uh, I, I didn't realize Jarbo that you went from Plaza to courthouse. You spent what, seven years, six years at Plaza and then rolled over to courthouse. Yeah. Seven, seven years. And then, you know, after that, I like, so the original reason for me going to Plaza as well was I had family that lived in the Plaza. I got Brentwood mm-hmm. Crescent. So it provided me an opportunity, you know, to see them before after shift. Um, but they ended up moving out of the area. And then after that, like, you know, where was the remaining family? So they were in courthouse's area. So transferred stations. Now, were you... Go ahead, chief. Now, were you were you married back then as well, or? Um, no, I was actually dating. I was still dating my wife at the time. Yeah. Was your wife? Is how? Um, tell us about that. How did you guys? Uh, uh, was that an EMS thing, or was that a college thing, or was uh, that just a you're cool at a club thing? Nah, that's uh, that's a since high school, like maybe oh. sophomore, junior year kind of deal. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh five, going strong. Oh, you're 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 you you graduated in 05? Oh no, I graduated in 07, but I met her in 05. Oh. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you guys what I was doing in 2005. It's gonna make y'all feel really old. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well I won't I won't uh, I won't ping on the fact that she's still hanging with you this long. <laughs> right. That's, yeah, that's good stuff for you, man. Someone had to keep me in line all these years. Say that again, Jarbo. Oh, I was saying someone had to keep me in line all these years, you know, so why not? Right. Well, I I think if there's anything that that I have learned uh, since I started with VB Rescue is that nobody needs to keep Jay Jarbo in line because he keeps himself in line, at least when it comes to work. Um, One of the things I found interesting is that, you know, while you were volunteering, you worked at separate times for both Norfolk and Portsmouth, and you continued to volunteer, what was it that made you stick around and continue devoting your time and volunteering to the system, even though you were doing similar stuff already outside? So, um, like, my early days at Plaza, one of the, the, the cooler, stronger people that I met was Danny Walker, uh, Bill Walker's son, uh, in case you guys don't know him. Uh, he he kind of set that bar for me. He was the one who actually got me into Norfolk 
And then even after he'd been uh, a member of Norfolk Fire, he was, uh, you know, still volunteering and whatnot. So I was like, you know, obviously I could still do both. Um, I love giving back to the communities that, you know, I guess taking care of me and my family for so long. So I, I couldn't just stop. Um, so based on Danny's example, um, I kept going. And Chief, I, I feel like that's not an uncommon occurrence that so many of our members, you know, work in places outside the system and in the area, or at least the surrounding region, and yet they continue to volunteer. Yep, that's very true. Um, I mean, we've got, you know, commercial ambulance folks that volunteer. Of course, the commercial ambulance service, uh, what they do in the commercial ambulance service and what they get to do in our service is different. Uh, and so there's, there's, you know, I want to, those that want to keep their 911 skills um, strong uh, will we'll continue to run with us. And, and it's like Jarbo said, you just folks that have worked for other municipality uh, fire departments, there's just a connection that they had with, with the system or the community um, where, um, you know, they want to keep giving back or, uh, you know, they were really involved in their rescue squad um, and, uh, and they want to stay continued, they want to stay very involved in their rescue squad. And it, you know, it works with the schedules, uh, with the way the fire department schedules run and, and um, uh, you know, the commercial ambulance service folks, the way those schedules run. And I mean, we've got folks that work out of state in North Carolina. Um, and uh, uh, we've got folks that live up in Maryland and, and still come down here uh, and do, um, you know, give their time to our community uh, to, to continue to volunteer and um, function at the skill, at the level of whatever their certifications are. So it's pretty exciting. Darbo, you, you worked in, you know, two systems that are, you know, fire-based EMS. And I, I'm curious from like a layman's perspective for someone like me who is completely clueless as it relates to EMS, what are the benefits of having a third service system like ours? What, what about a system like VB Rescue is so beneficial? One uh, well, VB Rescue is a it's a very unique system. Um, as we know, we have a, a huge cadre of volunteers who bring like a, a different like a, a different experiences and and you know uh, uh, how do I say um, you know I guess life experiences all all in general to to the system. Um, so you can meet people from different walks of life and everything um just just running here um third party for us i mean we kind of it, it's a little different just because you know you don't you're not under you know fire umbrella it's not you know fire first then ems it's 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 all ems all the time so the focus uh, like just being able to focus on the sheer medicine of everything else like that um that's that's basically, I think, what what sets like third party systems apart, um, like you know Pittsburgh, Boston, like Austin, Travis County, like all those all those departments. Just sole focus is EMS and how to better provide EMS for their communities. Yeah, no, he's spot on. Uh, I mean, it's the fact that we don't have to spend time um, focusing on training that uh, is dictated or recommended by an NFPA standard or something else that 
Um, you know, we, we, we don't spend time having to, to practice um, putting out house fires and high-rise fires and, and uh, man-down procedures and, and a lot of those other things that are all important things, don't get me wrong, uh, but it allows us to focus solely on uh, advancing and being um, progressive in the, the customer service, ultimately, that we want to provide as a system. And um, and so, uh, you know, that is absolutely the advantage of a third service EMS system is that you can truly focus on those things. And, you know, medicine is continually changing. So we need to be uh, paying attention to that all the time and doing the, uh, our best um, to, to, well, I like to be leading the calls, leading the charge there uh, in those things. But uh, you know, it becomes harder to do that when you also have to spin plates um, that fire departments have to spin regarding fire certs and fire trainings, and we just we don't have to deal with that. And uh, and so that helps both from the career perspective and the volunteer perspective. Uh, um, you know, I remember before I came back to this job as, as a volunteer firefighter uh, in my previous organization, and you know, training was it was one night a week was training, uh, and um, it was, you know, it was typically a fire-based something, and then the there was a second night a week where we had um, recruit any new member new member training, and so so you were essentially and and you know you were you were kind of expected to show up for new member training as well. So two nights a week, every week, you're spending time, uh, you know, four three to four to five hours at night um, doing training. Uh, on fire operations of some some sort, uh, with an occasional EMS training uh, woven in uh, to the mix. Whereas in the third service system, you know, as Jarbo said, it's EMS all the time. That's our focus. That's what we train on. Um, you know, we evaluate ourselves based on EMS medicine stuff, um, and and it, that's just that's what it is. Jarba, you were recently released as an acting supervisor, and uh, first of all, congratulations. That's that's awesome. Thank um, you. Thank you. What are some of the? I'm curious. What are some of the supervisor responsibilities that people might not think about? Um, just keeping everybody like going to you know the appropriate places in the morning, making sure there's vehicles for people um, to get to get on once they get there. Like it's it's. It's definitely challenging. It can be at times when it comes to like managing like last second moves and stuff like that. But it's been one of the more, uh, you know, as rewarding experiences for me just because, you know, I, I'm th at that point now I get to talk to people in the morning on the phone, uh, say, hey, how's it going? Thanks for coming out again, you know, stuff like that. So. One of the, the, the interesting things. Um that I, I think our supervisors do a pretty good job of. And, and it's always something that is an ongoing task, Chief, is spending the time interacting with the provider in the field, whether they be a volunteer or a career per person, and um, keeping in touch with them as opposed to just managing who's going to what call, um, who's closer to what, what are the kind of you know correct assets to send to a call, I feel like a lot of it uh, is those interpersonal relationships and those are super important. Yeah. So we say, um, uh, you know, especially in my circle, um, that the most important, um, position 
and uh, you know, we'll in the officer ranks, if you will, because we view the, uh, the the supervisors, whether it's a captain or an acting supervisor. When you're in the car, you're in the car in a in a, in a supervisory position. Uh, but that position, our, our EMS one and two and three folks, um, are the absolute most important link um, in our chain for crew morale, uh, for um, you know, making sure that, um, I mean, not everybody's going to be happy all the time, but just thinking about uh, uh, sustainment, if you will, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, am I going to get off on time and am I going to get something to eat? And, uh, and, you know, we teach, we have a conversation in one of the classes that we teach, and I think, Jarbo, you've been in the public class where we talk about, uh, you know, is it okay for you to have a bad day? Um, and, um, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, there's ever there's, it's always a great discussion when when we when we throw that one out there and and, and people are like, um, well, well, yeah, and then some folks are like, well, no, it's not, and we talk about the dynamics of 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 how that goes, and uh, and so you know the the supervisory position for us, uh, the EMS supervisor position, uh, I mean, if you're having a bad day in that car, uh, that makes you uh grumpy or you know whatever the case may be uh you will directly and indirectly impact a lot of people uh in your 12-hour shift uh and so um it's it's pretty important and folks i think you know the things that jarbo mentioned there it's that stuff that goes on behind the curtain you know that when you're a, when you're a paramedic in the in the zone car or a paramedic on the ambulance or an emt on the ambulance um, and you're just going from call to call because that's what you're here to do. Um, and you don't necessarily see all of the things that are actually going on behind the scenes or behind the curtain, if you will. And behind the curtain is in that supervisor car uh, to, to, to keep the, the cogs of the, the machines turning so that, um, so that folks are able to continue to do the things that um you know that the community expects them to do and so jarbo is newly released um, um uh, we had some hiccups a little bit along the way most of that was my fault um but uh, uh you know but when we sat down with him um uh he did a fantastic job and uh and i'm proud of him for where he is today um you know he's he's helped us out in a couple other ways set some interview panels for us and so we've exposed jarbo to a lot of things um and uh and, and i know uh, that you're doing well now and i've i've seen it in the field um you know i i was actually out you know not too long ago and um jarbo was uh an ems supervisor for the day and um i got to see a situation where jarbo was able to talk with a paramedic and um you know help him get through a call and that kind of goes into, I think, mentoring people, right? Because a lot of the, you know, a lot of times EMS supervisors obviously have more experience than those that are running calls in the field. And such a big part of that is mentoring them through what they're going to go through. And uh, Jarbo, what are some of the ways that, that you do that when you're interacting with providers in the field in terms of mentoring them through calls, both good and bad? Well, I mean, you approach every call as as basically a teaching opportunity. It's um, it's not that you know, oh man, like you did terrible on this call, like you're gonna get punished for it, 
or, you know, great job. Like you don't have to anything else to worry about. There's always things that we can improve on. And from the supervisor standpoint, I know like having my captains, like Captain DiCaprio, Captain Paget, um, even Kyle Hanrahan, like as one of my senior medics, you know, um, listening or watching these guys interact and how they've like helped bring me up. I know personally after some calls, um, th that's what I want to continue. Um, because like I said, this is, this is a, it, every day is a, a learning opportunity. You learn something new every day. Chief, what, are, what were some of the strategies that you used in the field? Well, um, you know, approaching all calls, like Jarbo said there is teaching calls is, is an important, is an important piece. And, um, you know, that comes with some experience. I mean, you finally, you, you, you do it for a little, and, you know, Jarbo's been with us uh, since 20, so how long have you been a paramedic? I've been a medic since uh, 2013. Yeah, so so you're in the nine years there, um, and so you learn how to, you know, be be calm, uh, and we, we talk about that, right? You, you need to be the calm in the chaos, not bring chaos, more chaos to the chaos, and uh, and so, uh, you know, coming in with a cool head and uh, and recognizing uh, that uh, that students and interns and even crews that have been released a while are, are you know are are, are going to make mistakes and and um, as the as the medic uh, recognizing uh, that mistakes are okay um, as long as they're not detrimental to patient care. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, honest feedback with folks, uh, in a way that, you know, you're empathetic with, uh, with, with what issues might be, but honest and open and transparent about, um, in a, in a receptive way, you know, in a way that, that folks will, will be receptive to your feedback, uh, about what needs to happen and, and the directions that, uh, or the things that, uh, you know, a student or an intern or a crew for that matter, again, uh, might need to do in order to help continue to move the organization forward. And so, uh, you know, I was just reading, uh, I mean, everybody knows, well, you may not, I mean, you guys all know I'm a big leadership guy. I'm into a lot of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I was just reading an article today about, um, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a public safety organization, uh, is there room for servant type leadership in a, in a do as I do, not as I say, paramilitary kind of piece, and and ultimately the answer is absolutely right. I mean, there are times as as I I, mean, I said to Jarbo even in, in his uh, supervisor piece, right? I mean, there's there's um, there's times when when I tell you to do something, you do it, and don't ask questions matter, um, and those areas are typically involving. Um, uh, mass casualties or, uh, you know, uh, fire ground type stuff or something where I'm giving you an order, I need you to follow it, I need you to not ask questions, but you have to develop trust, right, in, in, in that. The other, all of the rest of the time, um, the qualities of a servant leader are easily applicable um, in a mentoring relationship, because that's exactly what you're doing. And so, um, uh, you know, if we, if we have folks uh, that are emulating uh, those types of traits, then mentoring becomes a lot easier. And um, honestly, I think people are a lot more receptive um, to, to those kinds of things. And I've seen Jarbo do that, do that before too. He's really good. You know, you're really good with people, John. And, and, um, and so, I, you know, I think, I think you've gotten to a point where it's just kind of a natural piece for you. 
Um, you know, you're easy to talk to for people. Um, you do a really great job of, of defusing um, situations that might be a little tense uh, and, and people just feel comfortable around you. I don't, and maybe it'd be that high cheeky smile you got going on. <laughs> Well, I, I was I was just gonna say, like I, I've seen both in person and images. Um, I remember not long after I started, uh, Kyle Hammerhan, who's a acting supervisor and a, a senior paramedic with us, Jarbo just mentioned him. He sent me a picture of you, Jarbo, talking with uh, Norwood Burdett, who was then a volunteer with uh, Station 14, and Laura Garbarchik, who is a volunteer with uh, Rescue Five. And um, it was one of those situations where you were going over calls with, you know, volunteer providers and younger volunteer providers and building that trust. And, and Chief, you mentioned trust, and I think that that's uber important because um, everyone that I've met, uh, both in, on the admin side and in the field, trusts Jonathan Jarbo. Like, how do you, how do you develop that trust? Uh, well, for me, I mean, I had uh, two very good examples, I guess, when I was first coming up as a medic, it was, you know, Chief, now Chief Watson, now Chief Baker, um, primarily getting me through all my ALS stuff. So based on their interactions with like everybody, um, their coworkers, uh, our, our, our VBFD uh, fire, our fire members, um, their interactions with them were, you know, those building blocks for trust. Like they never like berated anybody. They never like jumped down anyone's throat or anything else like that after like any bad incidences or anything else like that. It was like a powwow on literally like how we could do better for next time and then going from there. So basically just emulating those guys, it's it, it's fairly easy to, to build trust around here. And I'm sure it helps too when you are able to develop those close relationships with the providers that you work with in the field. And um, I know that that especially on the the group that's on C shift, you guys are really really tight, both in the field and outside. Yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely a tight knit group, um, and we we, as we we strive to do you know outside activities and stuff like that together to help us you know decompress from from shifts and whatnot. But I mean, it's that trust building like in the in the background that like no not everybody sees on shift that also helps as well. So I can't tell you how many like uh, how many of our counterparts in the fire department I hang out with uh, on my off time. Everyone I see out in public. Matter of fact, I just saw uh, firefighter Joe Coslo uh, from Ladder Seven out today, um, and you know it was just easy to like shoot shoot the breeze with them. Keith, how does that 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 relationship that you develop with your fellow providers? How does that benefit patient care? Um, well, I think, um, what, what it really benefits is knowing that when you need another set of hands to, um, deal with a patient that, uh, the folks that are coming in to help you out, you, um, you, you know what they're capable of and you, um, you know, and you, you, you're able to depend on uh the skill set that they bring and and while i know that we have um you know a lot of young um young in that they're young as members of the system um you know we still do a really good job i think of training um and 
um, and there's a really good job of folks in the field uh, when they're getting uh, in, in the field as an intern, uh, and and you know folks like John and and others do a really good job of taking the time to help mentor and train and guide and teach uh, and develop uh, those folks so that you know we work as a as a fairly cohesive team. The other thing, you know, is um, what I also know is that the cohesiveness that you know that Jonathan talks about from his shift uh, and and what they do uh, uh, on duty and off duty um, is applied across the organization, right? And that's uh, that we have the same type type of cohesion in our volunteer rescue squads. Uh, you know, the, I mean, just like you know, as we opened up here and talked about the patch that John's got behind him that he made for his shift uh, uh, that represents their shift, you know, so goes the world with the volunteer rescue squads that um, have the pride uh, in, in their vehicles and the pride in their uniforms. And, uh, and they have, you know, the cohesiveness as a, uh, as a, as a team and as a family. Uh, and they, you know, they do things outside of run and rescue together. Um, and, and so that's, you know, that's hugely important for the organization as a whole. And that is how patient care is impacted, right? If people genuinely like to come and be part of this organization and they go home at the end of the day tired um, and wore out from the, from the day, but they, they are fulfilled by what they were able to do that day and they enjoyed the camaraderie of the people that they were with that day, you know, it's never, it's not work uh, if you're having fun. I mean, it is work, but you don't necessarily view it as work if you're having fun. And uh, and so I think the relationship uh, component there that, you know, that Jarbo is talking about is the thing uh, that makes patient care and being part of the organization uh, better overall. Jarbo, let's switch it up and get away from EMS for a second. I have been reliably informed that you are an avid gamer and that the the setup at your house is quite immaculate. So I, I know we have some gamers in within the system. So tell me exactly what you're rocking with over there. Oh, man. Uh, so I actually built my own gaming PC. Um hooked the thing up with 32 gigs you know 32 gigs of ram i've got like terabyte terabyte hard drive uh for one and then that's a second hard drive that's two terabytes as well so i got ample storage space for games uh very high speed uh so i mean like just just even looking at my game list right now i'm looking at like halo infinite i got battlefield i got sea of thieves and there's a there's a lot of like gamers within our our department that you know you might not expect so what's, what's your um, what's your uh, I'm probably gonna not even what's your what's your handle what's your screen name on all those games? Uh, so uh-huh. my screen name uh, is it's so just a little backstory on it in case anybody has ever uh, watched Scrubs. Uh, Turk and JD have a pretty close relationship, um, and in one episode I was watching. They're sitting down, pretending to have lightsaber battle with Bisco- uh, with I guess it's biscottis or you know the the French biscuits. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when Turk first handed JD the biscuit, JD's response to him was, "Thanks, Obi Brown." And I was like, "Huh." 
Obi-Wan Kenobi happens to be one of my favorite Star Wars characters. So Obi Brown Kenobi is my gamer tag and handle. Obi Brown Kenobi. Obi Brown Kenobi. You should you should go back and edit that and call it Sweet Cheeks Obi Brown Kenobi. <laughs> Uh, there's, there, there's not a lot of a character space for that, but, you know. <laughs> Jarba, do I want to know how much money you spent on that setup? Ooh, um, <laughs> um, well, I have friends that have also built their own, their own rigs, and I know that they're not cheap. <laughs> let's not, let's not make him divulge that. I'm more interested in knowing how much time your wife allows you to play <laughs> on the video games based on the amount of money that you spent putting the system together. Well, I mean, like, so she, most of the time she's, you know, chilling next to me on the couch or, you know, behind me as my computer, based on my computer setup right now, it's uh, the couch is behind me. So she sometimes hangs out there watching her own shows and whatnot. And she just lets me, you know, I'd say like maybe like a couple hours or so, maybe two, three. And then after that, you know, it's wife time. Got to watch our shows, you know, watch a movie, something like that. Well, that's good that you remember that you have a spouse that is not <laughs> inside the video game that you're playing. Yep, oh. yep definitely. Oh, so um, I, I'm curious, um, what's your favorite game? Oof. It varies based on what's released. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Assassin's Creed line. Oh, yeah. now we're talking. Uh, I actually have like two tattoos on my uh on my arm are actually dedicated to Assassin's Creed. Um, and... I'm not that dedicated. Not that dedicated. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you know, you just gotta you know express that, <laughs> express that dedication. <laughs> um, either that let's, or you know, Madden. Let's, let's as about as dedicated. I mean. As I watch, as we do these podcasts, and um, and you know, Ricky's doing these um, um, from his house. As I'm in, at my house this afternoon doing it, but he's got the Virginia Tech something posted behind him there. Um, Absolutely, and uh, and I find it interesting because um, it's just me and him and whoever we're podcasting with on here, and so um, I'm. Like, I, I don't know what message he's trying to send. Well, as anyone who know me knows, I'm an avid Hokie, as is uh, Brigade Chief Brett Johnson. Um, and behind my desk, I wanted to hang up some Virginia Tech memorabilia. So um, on one side, I've got the uh, commemorative flag for Virginia Tech winning the Commonwealth Cup this year. And on the other side, I have a commemorative uh, golf towel from a Virginia Tech golf tournament that I was in. So. Um, always willing to represent the Hokies. Except, except that, um, do you have a tattoo of anything Virginia Tech? I don't have a tattoo of anything, period, Chief. So, so Jarbo, <laughs> is he truly that dedicated to the call? I mean, you know, at, at least he – is the shirt you're rocking uh, Virginia Tech? Uh, this is actually an Orioles shirt, um, oh. which is the same color. It's also orange, but uh, trust me, I have plenty of tech stuff in my wardrobe. I was 
in Blacksburg for what six years. So, and I was a tech fan before I actually went to school there. So I'm, I am as about indoctrinated as it gets uh, when it comes to Virginia Tech, and at least you know, at least I'm not a UConn fan like Chief Hunley, because uh, that's not that's not as much fun as it used to be. I only support because I had a kid that went there. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I could care less. <laughs> All right, Jarbo. Before we let you go, we always like to try and see who is really good at promoting the system in our in our elevator speech competition uh so give us your elevator speech as to why folks should be a part of vb rescue Uh, like i hit on before this is a very unique system you get to meet people in all walks of life you know you can meet your 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 (laughs) your future wife girlfriend you know Future ex, I don't, I don't, whatever you want to call them. Um, everything under the sun in this system, just because you know it, it, it is, it's that unique of a system. Plus, you're getting a, a a variety of, let's say, levels of experience teaching you as well. So there's ample opportunity to learn, better yourself for whatever career endeavors. Uh, you may be looking forward to after, or even if this is just like, you know, I'm retired and I got time and, you know, I want to help out because there's a, we, we do have a few members who are, who are in that boat too. And uh, we appreciate them too. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, Chief, I find that fitting that he mentions meeting your future spouse or future ex, considering the episode we recorded not too long ago with Taylor Cook, uh, where we recorded, our episode on Valentine's day. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'm a little chuckling with the future X, um, um, <laughs> piece there. Um, but we have talked on almost every episode about meeting, you know, your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend or, or even, just a, even just a really close friend. It doesn't have to be that kind of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all good, but, but, uh, um, Let's not dampen the mood about, you know, future exes. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to be uh, one of the, the big parts of the elevator speech. <laughs> yeah. I'm no, not sure it's... we're going to take that on the road to any recruiting events in the in the near future. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. And, uh, and Jarbo, uh, I, uh, like I said, man, I, I appreciate what you do for the system. I appreciate your attitude. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I, as, as, as much as I joke you about your smile, it is an infectious smile. And, uh, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, people are genuinely, um, um, comfortable around you. They enjoy being in your presence. Uh, and you do a fantastic job out there of, uh, of mentoring and training and teaching. And, uh, uh I'm just excited that you're still part of the organization. Uh, and, and, uh, I wanted to publicly thank you for everything that you do for us. Thanks, Chief. That, that means a lot. Yeah, and I i mean, just from my perspective, in the short amount of time that I've been here, um, Jarbo has been extremely open and welcoming for me in the field and uh, teaching me things and walking me through and walking me through processes and things like that. And uh, he also uh, is a really good subject for pictures. And I have a couple really good pictures of him, including one where uh, him and Kyle Hammerhan are having a very warm embrace as two best friends might. Uh, so 
again, Jarbo, thank you so much for coming on. You're you're a great guy, and as Chief said, you're really viable to the system, and uh, we'll we'll see you out there soon. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. For listening to Feeling the Pulse with Jonathan Jarbo, paramedic with BB Rescue. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow or subscribe to the Feeling the Pulse podcast and leave us a five-star review. Also, if you're interested in learning more about BB Rescue, you need to visit vbems.com/join. Again, that's vbems.com/join. Thank you for listening.